Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we have a very special episode. We're turning it over to my friend, the Chronicle's Washington correspondent, Tal Copen, and she has a great interview today with Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee is the longtime congressman from Oakland and the rest of the East Bay, and she is talking about cannabis. Congresswoman Lee was recently named to the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, and she's talking about the differences between having weed legal in California and several other states, but still being considered illegal in the eyes of the federal government. Next, Talking Weed with Barbara Lee on It's All Political. Here's Tal Copen interviewing Congresswoman Barbara Lee. We're joined by Oakland Congresswoman Barbara Lee, who was recently uh, appointed as co-chair of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. Why don't we start by just talking about why that's significant. You're the first person of color and woman of color ever to be co-chair of this caucus. That's Is that right? Yes. You know, I've worked on these issues for many, 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 many years from a variety of uh, standpoints and points of views. One is just uh, in terms of medicinal marijuana. Uh, my late mother um, had uh, very uh, difficult problems with her knees. And somehow uh, she learned about a lotion that would take away the pain in her knee. And that lotion did, lo and behold, uh, it was a medicinal marijuana lotion. Mm. And then I started looking at other people who had uh, a lot of pain, uh, a lot of ailments, and uh, because California had passed medical marijuana, they were beginning to use med medicinal marijuana for illnesses, and it was working. And so I said, wait a minute, we have got to do something. And so that began my work. Uh, around trying to help raise awareness about um, medical marijuana and the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, as an African-American woman who has raised two sons and have two grandsons, and I understand what the whole pathway from school to prison and that pipeline and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. A lot of that uh, pathway involves being arrested and being charged with misdemeanor marijuana offenses. And many of these young people, unfortunately, uh, for nonviolent offenses, uh, get charged and they go to jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's not fair because these laws are unjust. And when you look at, for instance, the uh, discrepancy and disparity between crack cocaine and powder cocaine, again, it's a, a huge uh, injustice when you look at who gets convicted and who gets charged, and it's the same with marijuana. So the justice aspect of my Marijuana Justice Act and my work is extremely important so that we can really help uh, young people uh, move forward with their lives and not be charged with these minor misdemeanors that ultimately lead to destroying their lives. You know, when we talk about marijuana today, when you think about how it's portrayed in pop culture these days, how many states have started to just legalize it entirely, move to decriminalize it. Uh, you know, the other day, uh, William Barr was testifying in his confirmation hearing for attorney general, and both Cory Booker and Kamala Harris asked him about marijuana policy, which Jeff Sessions, his predecessor, really wanted to roll back some of states' 
you know, ability to regulate this. And, and Barr said he's not interested in that. It's almost the Obama-era policy of sort of leaving it to the states. When you think about it, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the politicians who have been on the leading edge of this up here have been white. And, and you think about how it's portrayed in pop culture, it's almost a recreational drug. And, you know, bringing this back, you, you mentioned when you were announced as co-chair that you really want to make this about criminal justice reform in a lot of ways. I mean, do you think that the, the racial politics of marijuana have sort of gotten lost as it's become much more widely accepted? I don't think it's racial politics so much as it is a systemic racism and okay. institutional racism and injustice in our criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the numbers of African Americans who are charged with marijuana crimes and who go to jail for nonviolent offenses and whose lives have been destroyed, it's clear that it's black and brown people. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a real institutional and, and legal uh, bias. And that's what we have to really focus on and unravel. And when you look at who's in prison, who's in jail, whose lives have been shattered by marijuana charges, who, who is it? It's black young people. It's brown young people. And so we have to stop that. And so this is part of an overall uh, criminal justice reform effort that I've been mounting for years now. Mm -hmm. And I think now as an African-American woman, uh, as a co-chair of the caucus, the Cannabis Caucus, my goal is to get more people of color really involved in the issues. And they're legitimate. I mean, we have issues around regulation. We have issues around making sure that um, underage young people don't, uh, you know, see this as just a recreational effort mm -hmm. and, you know, interrupt their school work. And, uh, you know, so there are a lot of issues that yeah. we have to deal with. But states have passed it and more states are going to pass it. And uh, it's so important for African Americans to really uh, be part of this process. Yeah, you know, I, I happen to know someone who works on this issue in the Midwest, and, and there's a real concern as some of these laws are being passed about the ways the laws are being structured to benefit, you know, big corporations, or, or you know, some of the laws are written with people with marijuana experience must be the ones who get the licenses. Is there also a concern about as it becomes more accepted in society about minorities and disadvantaged communities being sort of left out of this process of, of, of legalizing it? Yeah, and that's why I have an equity bill that really mm -hmm. uh, says that, uh, because right now, for example, I think it's maybe 1% of the licenses have been um, granted to African Americans or former mm -hmm. uh, people who have impa been impacted by the unjust laws. And so we need some equity in the industry and provide uh, first priority, for example, for those who have been convicted of, of misdemeanors. And that's part of the bill that I have. And to make sure that there is some parity and some equity. And we're going to have to do a little bit more, maybe, such as help figure out how to finance startup businesses mm -hmm. uh, for those who want to set up shop and set up a business, because it's a very lucrative business. So those who have been, uh, those who have been blocked from a pathway into a job or into a business mm -hmm. because of marijuana charges, that barrier needs to be removed. And we need to not only remove the barrier, but we need to have some incentives and some help and some support for them to be able to establish their businesses and issue the licenses in the priority, in that priority, say it, you know, and what my bill actually uh, requires that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we move into a Democratic majority in the House where you know, there's a new power center. What lessons can be learned from California and from the Bay Area in terms of approaching this issue? 
I think a lot of lessons can be learned uh, because we've struggled with this for many years. In my, in my own city, for example, we have an office that really reviews the applications for licenses and tries to prioritize those living in the zip codes where the marijuana charges were the highest or those who have been uh, charged with marijuana offenses are given priority. And there are a lot of difficulties, a lot of issues that have to be unpacked. But I think if any place uh, that it can be done right, it's in California, and then of course in my district. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it's important, and going back to my Marijuana Justice Act, that um, we, first of all, allow, and we're doing that in many areas in California, those who have been charged with misdemeanors, uh, that their records be expunged mm -hmm. automatically. Just expunge the records of the misdemeanor charges, mm -hmm. and then uh, allow for those convicted of felonies to come before a judge and request you know, petition the court that his or her um, charge could be uh, expunged. And then what is so important also is that we have a restorative justice fund and we have a $500 million fund that would fund job training, uh, entrepreneurship training, skills training, whatever is needed in communities that uh, have been negatively impacted by this. So restorative justice is, is extremely important. And speaking of a Democratic majority, what role do you think that the Cannabis Caucus can play, and how would you like to sort of see it grow under your leadership? Well, I think first we need to fight to make sure it's uh, descheduled, it's taken mm -hmm. off the schedule of, you know, uh, what is it, Schedule A, I think? Yeah, one, I think, control. yeah. Yeah, yeah. one. We've got to get rid of that, and my bill would do that also. But also, I think the Cannabis Caucus needs to, uh, and, and we've been doing this, understand how we can get support for the financial issues in terms of the banking issues, mm -hmm. because that is still really a cash industry, and I think right. for those states that have passed it, you know, you've got security issues, you've got income tax issues, you've got all kinds of issues in a cash industry like that. And so we have to educate the public and members of Congress as to why this should be no more. And thirdly, um, I hope we can build support in the Cannabis Caucus for my bill that would say if a state has passed a law that is medical, that legalizes medical marijuana or decriminalizes or passes recreational use as the law, then um, the feds can't go in and uh, say you can't do it. And so we would not allow, for instance, the DOJ mm -hmm. to receive federal funding if they're going to vamp on a state that mm -hmm. has passed laws that had legalized it. Mm -hmm. And it's up to the states to decide uh, to do this. And 30-some states have passed it. So. And what would you say to someone who sort of giggles about you joining the Cannabis Caucus? I mean, thinks that this is some sort of joke or silly issue. I tell them to be real. Uh, look at the facts. Uh, it's about time. <laughs> when you look at who's been impacted negatively mm -hmm. by marijuana laws, it's been uh, African Americans, it's been Latinos, and when you look at those whose lives have been shattered by the current laws, it's us. And then I would also say, uh, if a state passes a law, don't you want your state's laws upheld? I mean, come on. Hopefully you're part of the political process that either said yes or no. And so I'm trying to keep the federal government out of their business in terms of making sure that there's some justice for everyone. And then to those who giggle about the fact that uh, people deserve to be free of pain, it's a humanitarian issue. And I'd say back to them, come on, you know, you're 
really trying to make fun of someone who's trying to make sure that there's access to um, pain relief mm -hmm. and to health care and to people who uh, and to some relief for people who are suffering each and every day where opioids you know and other uh, medicines aren't working but maybe medical marijuana might work and so you know let them giggle all they want but I tell you one thing the work is very important and those who know what I'm doing they really understand that this is uh, cutting edge that we're going to build support mm -hmm. and we're going to win this because the American people want it states have passed it and we want to do it in a way that makes sense and that's lawful and that will help everybody Great. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd like to thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank Tal Copen. I'd like to thank Congresswoman Barbara Lee. And I'd like to thank Libby Coleman for producing today's podcast. And remember, whether you inhaled or not, it's all political. It's all political as part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. Our music, our theme music that we have is Cattle Call. That's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. If you like this show, subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more great journalism like this, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Garofoli. Thanks.